Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm so excited to present to you this episode. In partnership with the Marlene Myers and JCC Manhattan, Thank You For Coming Out is co-hosting their LGBTQ author summer series of conversations. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for coming Good evening, and welcome to the virtual Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. I'm Jason Blitman, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm the program director for the Lambert Center for Arts and Ideas, and on behalf of my colleagues in the Joseph Stern Center for Social Responsibility and out at the J here at the JCC, who are my partners on tonight's program, it is my pleasure to welcome you to our Summer Pride series. Thank you for coming out at the J with tonight's guest, Emery Lee, author of the book Meet Cute Diary. We hope you'll join us for other virtual events at the JCC, including the final installment of our Thank You for Coming Out of the J series on August 19th with best-selling author Kristen Arnett. You can find out about this and all of our other upcoming programming at our website, mmjccm.org. Conversations at the JCC are made possible by Zabars, zabars.com, and virtual programs for the Lambert Center are made possible by the generous support of the Lori M. Tisch Illumination Fund. There should be time for some questions at the end, so please feel free to write any questions that you may have in the Q&A at the bottom of your screen. And now it is my pleasure to introduce to you Dubs Weinblatt, who we're thrilled to be partnering with on this whole series. Dubs is the founder and executive producer of Thank You For Coming Out, which celebrates the LGBTQIA community by showcasing queer stories and identities through a podcast, improv, and storytelling. They are the co-founder and executive producer of Craft Your Truth, an organization that encourages LGBTQ folks to use performance art as a way to express their stories and connect with their community. Dubs is also the Associate Director of Education and Training for Metro New York at Keshet, and was recently named one of Logo's new Now Next, six inspiring LGBTQ Jewish activists you should be following. So go follow Dubs Weinblatt, and please welcome Dubs. Thank you so much, Jason. So happy to be here. And now it is my honor and privilege to introduce our guest for the evening. Emery Lee, E.M. Eyre, is a kidlit author, artist, and YouTuber hailing from a mixed racial background. After graduating with a degree in creative writing, he's gone on to author novels, short stories, and web comics. When away from reading and writing, you'll most likely find him engaged in art or snuggling cute dogs. Emery, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. How how's it going? Um, it's going pretty well. I mean, I feel like this week has been pretty great for me, so I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> Ooh, want to tell us why this week's so great? Um, I'm actually not allowed to say why yet, but um, we'll the, the news will be coming soon. So I would say if you follow me on social media, you'll be seeing updates really soon. I was just going to say, then we have to now follow you. We, we had to before, <laughs> but now we definitely have to, to know what this good news is. Well, uh, very excited for you, whatever the news might be. Thank um, you. So I am, I would love to just like dive into to talking to you about um, everything around your book, uh, Meet Cute Diary, which is incredible. Um, so, but, so I guess actually I do want to take a, a, 
uh, just a pause and go back a minute and wonder how did you get into writing and especially kid lit like what inspired you to to go that route uh, well like I started writing um, when I was really young I was probably about eight um, and it was kind of just this thing where I would get really into like TV and then be like well the show's over so now what do I do with my life um, and so I ended up writing not actual fan fiction but it was like where I would make my own world where like all the characters were inspired by the exact same characters from the show. And I would just like tweak the names and like the location and stuff. Um, and I would just like write my own books that way. Um, but Kid Lit, I think just kind of was the natural um, like progression of my writing because when I actually started writing seriously, like with the intention to get published, I was in middle school. Um, so essentially it was like, well, I'm going to write YA because that was the only thing that was really like, available to me as a reader for the most part um I did read like the occasional like literary novel but like it was mostly like classics and stuff um so at the time I think YA was pretty much my entire view of publishing so it ended up being the thing that I was most comfortable with awesome and is it are you do you write other other genres now or is it mostly just kid lit so. Um, I write everything now I mean except like I, I always say that the only thing I'll never really write is erotica um I don't write like picture books um but I do write middle grade YA adult and I write like across genre in every category and, and kid that's your favorite I shouldn't put words in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> it's like I mean it, 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 it all bring something different um so depending on like the mood I'm in I'll be like oh you know what I think this one's like the best or like you know I think right now I'm um I'm pretty heavy in the YA space both like in terms of what is publishing but also what I'm currently like drafting so I think I'm like yeah YA is the best but like um just like late last year I was working on an adult rom-com and I was so into it and I was like you know what why do I need YA I can just write adult all the time and so it just kind of varies based on my my feelings at the time yeah yeah that makes sense I think well I think having um really positive trans representation in YA books is so important um I never, I never had that. So I think it, so I'm, I'm curious um, what inspired, well, actually, so can you tell us about Meet Cute Diary and what inspired you to write this particular story? Yeah. Um, so Meet Cute Diary is a story of a trans boy named Noah who is recently out. He's begun his transition process when he gets told that they're moving across the country to California from Florida. Um, and so he gets to spend the summer with his college aged brother, uh, Brian, who lives in Denver. Um, and so it's the story of him um, basically trying to find love for the first time as a trans boy who runs this blog all about trans meet cutes um, that are supposed to be real but are actually completely made up and so he goes through his summer trying to basically recreate this um concept of like what he thinks would be the perfect love story um but as a troll targets his blog his only option is to now fake date a fan of the blog um in order to basically convince his fans that everything that he says about romance is true um and basically he learns that everything he thinks he knows about romance is actually not true and that he needs to completely reevaluate his priorities. Uh, <laughs> so that is Miku Diary. Um, and the story for me was, it's, it's, so there's like the joke version of like where it came from and there's like the super deep emotional version um, because basically the concept itself came when I was on a road trip with a friend and we had 
um, this experience where she bumped into this guy at an ice cream shop. And I was like, oh my God, that was your like almost meet cute. And so it kind of just spiraled into this whole joke of like this kid who comes up with these fake meet cutes and like turns them into a blog. And he's like, you know, firmly convinced that like every scene he runs into in real life could actually be a meet cute. Um, it could be like the perfect romance. Um, so that's kind of like the fun version. And then like the like more emotional version, I guess, is like, um, at the time, I'd been reading a lot of rom-coms. It was uh, late 2018, um, and I had just read What If It's Us um, by Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera, and that book was, like, super, like, influential for me, and I absolutely adored it. Um, and I was super high on, like, the whole um, To All the Boys thing um, with the recent movie that come out. Um, and I kind of sat there and thought, I love these stories so much, but I've never seen a story like this with anybody who looks like me or has my lived experiences. Um, and so it was kind of like, how can I take all of these tropes, all of these feelings, all of this aesthetic that I love so much from these stories that I've liked my whole life, and how can I repurpose them so that they now fit people who are like me? That's amazing. I I love that so much because I I am I like to call myself a hopeful romantic. <laughs> um and like live for romance and rom-com and meet cutes and um like the per like the fairy tale which I know is not really ever going to happen in in the way that but maybe who knows you know um and so one thing that I appreciated about in meet cute diary is kind of um like there was uh how do I say this um I can't think of the right way to say it, but like, there's like a, a knowing within this story that, that like, actually I wrote it down somewhere uh, around, um, shoot, this is the worst. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think even at one point Noah says like, and this isn't a, ro- this isn't a rom-com. Like there's an awareness, like even though Noah is like into this, like neat, cute, this is his whole life um but is even has a self-awareness as I think is what I was going for um that it's like not actually a rom-com that real life is always going to take priority um there was not a question in there that was just me rambling (laughs) um (laughs) um, but all that is to say um I loved so deeply just um getting to to see Noah's story unfold and especially is what you just said of um how do you take the tropes and the, you know, the aesthetic of cis normative, uh, heteronormative stories that we are inundated with um, and make it so it reflects identities that we don't get to hear about so often. So um, can you kind of um, like kind of dive into specifically the importance of queer and trans meet cute representation? And also, did you already say what a meet cute is or did I just in case people don't know what a meet cute actually is. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think I said, I can, I can explain. So like okay. a meet cute, a meet cute um, is that moment where you, or I guess in, we're fictional characters. Cause I mean, it sometimes happens in real life, but not so common um, where, where you run into somebody in this way. And there's kind of like this romantic magic about it. Like where you go to reach for the same book at a bookstore. Or like I had a friend whose parents um, actually ran into each other at a, in a grocery store parking lot. The cart got away from her and like, he went to stop it. And like that moment where there's just like this unrealism to it, but like where there's like this magic um, between two people and it kind of like forms this intimate connection which then turns into like a romance um and I've completely blanked what was the question 
Um, yeah, well, so no, that's great. And um, the question was more like specifically around the importance of queer and trans meet cute representation. Oh, yeah. So I mean, so I think Noah actually kind of addresses that um, in like on page in the book. Um, and it's when he's in the bookstore with Drew and he basically says, um, so basically um, Drew is the fan that Noah fake dates um, in order to prove the blog's validity. Um, and so he meets him in a bookstore and while he's at the bookstore um, and they're talking about the blog because Drew is a fan and he basically like figures out that Noah is the one who runs the blog. He's Drew says, oh, like, all the stories are fake, like, why even bother, like, what, why make up all these fake stories about, like, you know, trans people finding happily rappers, like, it's cute, but why? And Noah just kind of thinks, well, you know, of course, he wouldn't understand, like, he can look at any book on these shelves, and he'll see his happily ever after, but, you know, where's mine, like, I don't have that, Um, and I feel like it's a huge thing when you see, like, we love rom-coms. Like I think as readers and like viewers, we love rom-coms because there's magic to them. They are the real world type of magic. Cause we can watch like a fantasy and be like, wow, that's so cool. But I know that's never going to happen. Like, I'm not going to be able to fight dragons. I'm not going to be able to like, you know, move to the moon. But like when you read a rom-com, you get to see all these things that, you know, feel almost unrealistic, but are actually possible for you. Like to find somebody who really does love every part of you to like have this amazing meet cute. Like these things are huge and they, they inspire this like level of like, I don't know, joy and kind of like hope in readers that like you can't really find anywhere else. Um, but when you as a reader never see yourself in those types of stories and the only stories you see are stories inundated with like suffering or trauma um, or that focus purely on like the struggle you start to feel like your whole life is going to be a struggle. You know, you, you lose that hope that you could actually have that magical, like beautiful meet cute moment. Um, And so I think, especially like for queer and trans people, like we, we see so much like negativity surrounding our identities daily. Like we see, you know, queer phobia everywhere. You know, we see all these articles about how people like us are, are being abused or, or killed or like all these things. And there's just so much, where we're constantly reminded every day about like the suffering that we'll go through. Um, and I think having moments like meet cutes just kind of like, I don't want to say it cancels it out, but it kind of gives you some like counterbalance there, you know, where you can say, yeah, like all these horrible things might happen. And yeah, like these horrible things happen in real life, but also there are these beautiful, amazing moments that could happen to me too. And that's like something to look forward to and something to kind of like counteract all those negative voices in your head. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. One thing that I, um, you, like you brought up, um, how we're inundated with suffering and trauma and struggle. And that's just so true. And, and, and the majority of the trans stories that I've read or watched, um, there is some element of struggle or violence or something along those lines. Um, and, and, and truth be told, like, as I was reading this, I like kept bracing myself for that because I've this is the first piece of media that I've consumed that that doesn't exist and I just want to just say thank you for that because um yeah I was on the edge of my seat for no reason because it it's just it is (laughs) of course there are like some moments of because it's the reality of you know a parent you know uh, like pausing on a name or hiccuping on a name for half a second or you know but um it just was, it was such a breath of fresh air to read a story that was just nice. It was just nice. <laughs> it's like, I wish I could say that you were the only person who'd ever told me that, 
Mm. Um, but I've actually gotten from a few people who were like, yeah, I was braced the whole time, like waiting for something horrible to happen. And I kind of like, like on the one hand, I'm like, I'm glad that I was able to like provide something, um, that essentially was not that stress level. (laughs) And then you can kind of like chill. Um, but I also, it it also makes me kind of sad when I think about like, you know, the fact that that's not the natural state of being like as readers, we shouldn't naturally feel like every time we pick up a book marketed as a romance or a rom-com or that's like sold as like happy summary or like anything like that, that we're going to be like inundated with pain and suffering and trauma. That's something that we've been conditioned to expect in the industry because we've been shown so often that the only stories that are like valid or interesting or worthwhile with trans people are stories of suffering. Um, And so like, that's very much something that, you know, corporate America has taught us. And like, it's a lot, I think of unlearning, like, especially, you know, like this, in this case, we're talking about a YA book, but also in like middle grade. And like, you know, as a kid, you shouldn't grow up thinking that the only way your stories of value is if you have to suffer first. Um, And like, of course, like as a person of color, um, like I didn't always know I was trans. It was not something that I I realized at a young age, but you know, I always knew I was black. I always knew that I was Asian. Um, And so like, I, as a kid, I remember when bad things happened to me, sometimes I would think, oh good, this makes my story interesting. And I never should have had to feel that way, you know, but as a person of color, again, most stories featuring people like me are trauma stories. Um, And so you're constantly conditioned to think my story is only of importance if I'm suffering. It's only of importance if I'm dealing with bigotry or like if I'm serving as an educational purpose. And I think one of the biggest goals of me putting out this book was just to tell trans people that's not true. Like your story is valuable because it's your story and it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to suffer first. It's not a requirement retweet yes (laughs) yeah thank you so much for saying that I I get that um in the in these thank you for coming out conversations and also in the education work that I do and some of the other work that I do that that the common theme that comes up a lot is um especially for people who come out later in life of like I didn't struggle like I didn't have that pain but I talk about my story all the time of like really struggling with identity my entire life and you know really just it was horrible and so many people are like I didn't have that but is my story valid because of that and I was like of course and I love how you said like every story is is valid or I'm paraphrasing now like every story is valid because it's your story and that's that's like the mission of my life is to encourage every individual to to know that that their story matters so I'm glad we're on the same, wave, same wavelength. <laughs> so kind of zooming out about um, that specific feedback of like bracing for something bad to happen. What other kind of um, like, rece- what, what's the reception been? Have you been getting people DMing you and telling you how this book has, has helped them or changed them? I would imagine, yes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at the beginning, I think it was really overwhelming because I was getting a lot of DMs um, and they were largely people saying things like, you made me realize I was trans. You made me realize I wanted to change my pronouns. You convinced me to come out to my family. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like, oh, whoa, okay. Like, I don't get me wrong, those messages are great, but they're also like, like, I feel like that's like when you're like pressure, pressure, oh my God, like that's huge. 
Um, lately, I feel like I've been getting a lot of messages that have been a little, a little calmer. Mm. Um, so they're a little easier to like put in perspective. Um, but I've had a lot of people say things like, um, you know, it, you've opened my mind to the concept of pronouns. Or you've opened my mind to like, you know, how, um, how to approach transness. I've had people say things like, you made me realize that like, it is possible for someone to change their pronouns and be respected upon doing so. And I was like, good, like, you know, make sure people are respecting you. Like, like that is like, yes, that's an important lesson. Um, but yeah, I think, um, and I, I mean, I also had people like, uh, <laughs> I posted on Twitter, um, somebody had DM'd me asking if they could get a tattoo and they eventually got the tattoo and tagged me in it. Um, and I like immediately was like sending it to my editor and everybody was like, oh my God, somebody got a tattoo of a book. Like, how cool is that? Um, so there's been like, you know, stuff like that too, where people just said like, you know, this book is so important to me. It means so much to me. Or like, it was, you know, one of my favorite reads. And I'm like, that's great. Like, I'm glad that like, you know, it's always great to know that your work is actually um, being received by people and that it actually means something. Um, and I think especially like, of course, there's like, I think as like anyone who like puts anything creative into the world, there's always positive and negative. Like there are always going to be people who are like, your work sucks. Like, you know, you're the worst person to ever live and you never should have created anything. And just, you know, like nightmare comments. I haven't, I haven't gotten back one, but <laughs> okay, good. I, I, I have gotten, I've gotten, I've gotten tagged, honestly, in quite a few negative reviews or people kind of like go, why was this story written? It's so cliche. There's nothing special about it. Um, and I'm like, you know, you know, if you don't, if you're not feeling the book, you're not feeling the book, like that's, you know, it's fair. And like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Like it's, it's the natural, I think, response of putting anything out into the world. Um, but I think when you get a lot of those negative comments, like it means so much more when you get the positive comments, because now you're like, you know, you spend a lot of time thinking, well, did I waste my time putting this book out? Like, you know, was this worthless? Like, do people, is it really like a story that nobody needed? Um, so when you get those comments of people saying like, you know, this book changed my life, you're like, like, it's so nice to know that like it was actually um, important to people. Yeah. This book is so needed. Whoever said that they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, I, I, it's wild to me um, just like the, the range of different uh, ways that people are in are receiving the book, meaning like I also have um, I've not written a book, but with just with how what I put out into the world, um, I also have get DMs around you help me come out to my family. I'm changing my pronouns. I didn't realize I was trans like the same everything you just said. And it is like a lot of pressure because it's like I want to give each person time and energy because they you know, I'm so happy because I never had that. So I want to be able to give that to other people. And it's also like, like you said, it's like a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, but it's, but it's still nice to know like that, that change, that, that um, what, what you're putting out into the world is having such an impact on people, um, myself included. And um, I am so happy you brought up the pronoun uh, like aspect of that conversation about uh, possible for someone to change pronouns and just be respected. Um, that I, I have, a, I have it listed a bunch of different times in my notes from reading of just like how seamless it is for Devin. Like when Devin was changing her pronouns, like it just was like each time, I think this was part of that was like the bracing of like, who's going to give pushback and who's going to say that's not real. And who's going to, you know, like all of those. And, and every time it just was like, okay. And it wasn't even just Noah. Like, I'm just like, I am geeking out right now because it also was like 
his brother and the parents and friends and no one questioned it. No one said that's not real. No one said I'm not doing that. No one said this is too hard. Everyone just said, okay. And so I know there's not, again, there's not a question. It's just, it's, it was mind blowing to me. And it, and that's the thing It shouldn't be mind blowing, you know, it should just be. So just thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, it was honestly one of those things that I, I was just kind of like, like I knew immediately when I was like, I'm going to be writing a trans book. Like I want to address pronouns and I want to address like, you know, just like the, the, the simplicity of not even just coming out and being accepted, but of changing your identity or changing labels and being accepted. And like, I think it's one of those things too, that I, I feel like it was always, it's always jarring to me in fiction when I see people um, come out and the reception is, I don't want to say like when the reception is like negative, but like when you see someone who essentially is an ally or is otherwise extremely supportive um, and then they do something that's just like, just like blatantly like disrespectful and it's kind of treated like, well, everyone has to do something disrespectful. Um, and I, I, I know there are people who do that. And I think that's like, you know, of course, like a real experience, but I also don't think that that's like a universal experience. Um, and I'm like, I've had friends, I mean, like, of course, like, I mean, I use neo pronouns and I think neo pronouns as a rule, like it's, it can be very messy when you start using them because most people have not heard of them. They don't know how they work. Um, but like when I switched to neo pronouns, I, my friends were fine with it. Like everyone was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like you, like, like I'll, sometimes I'll send people like a little chart just so they can like figure it out. Um, like I had a friend I hadn't spoken to in years. Um, and I didn't even know that he knew I was trans until I found out he was following me on Twitter. Um, and he texted me one day and was just like, Hey, can I get your pronouns? And just like, like, am I doing that right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. Thanks. And I was just like, <laughs> like, I didn't even, like, came out to him like he just found me online and, and figured it out so I was just like like you know and I'm like it, it can think like it's of course it's not going to be a universal experience there are no universal experiences of queerness but I think it's one of those things where like I wanted people to know that like it can happen like it can happen that people are totally respectful and like you should strive for that both as like you know a queer person you should strive to be around the people who are going to respect you that way um but also like as an ally that's what you should be striving for not making people feel uncomfortable when you when they try to like, you know, change their pronouns or something. Yeah. Amen. Retweet. All, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Um, you, you brought something up and it, it corresponds with one of my notes, which is um, like, like thinking about labels and like when we're coming into our identities and I pulled something out that says like feeling like a fraud between labels. Um, and I wonder if you can, um, I feel like I could talk about that for hours, but I'm wondering if you can, if you want to like tell us what that means to you and how it played out in the story and and what that, yeah. I mean, I think, so I feel like there's this common like older queer narrative that like, um, that I feel like was common in like a lot of older media when queer people were like, you know, not as like well known about in society. And it was like this idea that like queer people always knew we were queer. And like this idea that like was there to like make queer people seem more akin to straight people because like straight people always knew they were straight and like always knew they were cis kind of thing. Um, And it's like, I've met, you know, people who've always known exactly what their labels were. Um, But it's very few people in my experience in comparison to the number of people who had to try something on and then change it a couple of times before they got where they wanted to go. Um, And so I think like, 
I think a lot of us feel like frauds when we don't know. I think it's part of why, like, I've seen a lot of people say, like, why do we need micro labels? It's like, well, because the micro label tells you that you're not a fraud. It tells you that other people feel what you feel, have been here. They get it, you know, and that kind of like reinforces that like idea, like they're valid, like it's okay. Um, But I think a lot of us have this idea that like, if we don't know exactly who we are, like if we're not like birthed immediately knowing what labels we want to use, then like we're doing something wrong or we're not like as legit as people who do know. But I feel like most of us don't know. And I think it's just wild how so few of us realize how many of us don't know. Mm. Um, And so I think like, that was just kind of like a huge thing where I was like, you know, having, um, and and I think it was important too, because I think sometimes people use not knowing as a way to invalidate transness. Like, oh, well, if if you're not sure what your identity is, then are you really? Um, And so I wanted to have that contrast with Noah who says like repeatedly throughout the story, like, I know I am a boy. Like I have, like, I know I am a trans boy. Like that's the answer. Um, And then Devin, who's like, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, whatever, I kind of wanted to have that contrast where you have a character who's like, I don't know, and that's okay. And then you have another character who's like, I know exactly how exactly who I am, and that's also okay. Um, but like specifically, like with Devin, where you know he's kind of like, I don't know what pronouns to use, I don't know what labels to use, I don't know where I fall in any of this. But like also to end the story where Devin still doesn't really know, like he's settled on a set of pronouns for now, you know, and and there was no confirmation that that those will be Devin's pronouns for life. They're just Devin's pronouns for now. Um, And, you know, still the whole like 2% boy, but we don't really know what the rest of the gender is. Like, I I wanted to leave it very open because at the end of the day, like Devin has been like most readers favorite character. Um, And I'm like, good, love Devin and love yourself the way you love Devin because it's okay. Like, you know, he doesn't have to know yet and you don't either. And like, I always feel like people learn to love themselves more if they love characters who like reflect who they are. So Mm. I'm like, love Devin, you know, appreciate Devin for everything that he is and then appreciate yourself for the same reasons. (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah, and I think that's, I I have conversation, I've had conversations with uh, some of the people that I work, not that I work with, but that who I'm in community with around trying to invalidate transness um, away from children and young people, because how could they possibly know? And what if they say they're this one day and they say there's something else another day, then they obviously clearly don't know who they are. And like, that's just not how identity works. (laughs) Like that's just, so I love that you um, have Devin's character and and to really showcase that it's okay. And also, I mean, I, w- I didn't come out as genderqueer until I was 29 because I truly just didn't have the words for it. I didn't know what it meant and I didn't know I could. And even since then, my identity has shifted, has shifted and it's been seven years since then. And now I know I'm 36, but like um, uh, it's, it, con- is, it is continuously still shifting. And I've tried to set the expectations like with my family and people around me that um, this is, these are my pronouns now. And like, my parents would be like, well, do you, do you anticipate changing your pronouns again? Are you a trans man? I'm like, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to it. And I never was like that in ever before because we're not socialized to be open to that. Um, so I just love how open, not only how open Devin is, but also just, I mean, you already said it, but just to reiterate, like the, the, like majorly okayness with Devin figuring out who um, he is. And then also Noah, 
you like you said like the contrast of I was like I've always known this um and just how they they mesh is so beautiful um so you had said you had said something that was chef's kiss about sometimes you it's hard to now again paraphrasing but like love yourself until you see see it in somebody else or in a character that you love and so um sometimes I ask guests about a ring of keys moment which is pulled from Alison Bechtel's fun home um are you familiar with the ring of keys moment um it's when basically medium or small Al in the story is in a cafe and a very butch lesbian walks in and it's like this moment of recognition for her of like seeing herself in somebody else for the first time and is like oh possibilities um and so I wonder if you have any kind of moments like that um god I feel like and and here's the thing too is I I feel like as we were saying, like identity changes so much. Um, and I think like to a certain extent, like as a um, person of color and like, as like, you know, a disabled person of color, I think I'm very used to, and I've always been used to like, kind of like looking at a story and kind of like trying to identify with someone, but never finding a full 100% identification. Um, like, you know, because growing up, most of the stories that I read or watched were with featuring white people. Um, and so like, even if I felt like, oh, this person acts like me, it was like, well, they don't look like me. And like, when I would find someone who looked like me, it was like, well, they don't act like me. Um, and so I think like, I can't, I've never had a moment, I think where I looked, it's almost like, that's it. Like, that's exactly it. But I feel like I mm. constantly have little moments where I'm like, oh, you know, that, that I can get behind that. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, um, I think like, like I know in college, I had a friend um, who was um, a Demi boy. And I think that was the first time I had met somebody who wasn't like, you know, male, female, or like this like nebulous third gender of non-binary. Um, and so it was like, wait, there's more to it than that. Like, there's like this whole, like, like, in, and he was like, yeah. And then I was like, <gasps> and then that's when I was like, like everything like you're like oh my god so then you know you and and back then for me it was always like okay you hit up tumblr you look up all the labels and you go from there um and it was the same thing like kind of going to like all of my queer labels it was like oh somebody said something that like made me realize like I remember um the first time I realized I was attracted to women like where I was like concretely like no shit I'm attracted to women like I cannot deny this anymore I was at a comic convention and I was getting an autograph from Karen Gillan um and I was just like looking at her and I was like damn okay so like, like go, go to tumblr look some labels like <laughs> fix them all out but like yeah so I think it's like there's kind of been like different moments where I was like suddenly you're just like oh man like you're just like sitting there and you're just like well here we go again like it's time time to go digging again to figure out what exactly this feeling is yeah yeah the way that you described it uh when you're talking to your friend it's like that moment of permission for yourself it's like I could do that oh <laughs> world cracked open <laughs> and thank god for tumblr and having access to all that information so good honestly um, sometimes i think about like how much more info there is because i mean I, and i always kind of like say like i'm i only came out you know at all a few years ago but like even just between then and now the number of like resources and the amount of information and availability like the number of terms you have access to it's wild yeah, there's so much out there. It's so, it's so good. I'm so happy for not only the youths, but also for people 
my age, your age, whoever, everybody, because people need access to all the different ways it's okay to exist. And that's yet on paper. <laughs> um, so I was reading an interview with you um, and a quote that you said really stuck out to me, uh, which is even before knowing I was queer, I found myself surrounded by a lot of people who later all turned out to be queer because <laughs> I have a, exactly that experience but I want to hear from you first what your what your experience like that is I remember I was in college I was probably like 20 and I remember texting all my friends and being like are you still straight are you still straight because (laughs) suddenly I was like wait a minute everyone's coming out (laughs) who's still straight um and I think to this day I have like two straight friends like and most of most of my friends are people that I was friends with before they knew they were queer (laughs) and so it's like I don't know what it is like we just we just are drawn to each other like magnetically like there's just something like it's like we can sense it in each other before we even know about it in ourselves yeah I was gonna I was I was gonna ask how do you know (laughs) because it's like (laughs) but yeah I think it is like a magnetic magical force like um with a, a few friends in high school we were all friends and 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 in college like I lived in a house with five other people and four of us were not queer and then we were queer. So it's like, we definitely were like drawn to each other. It's wild how that like turns out. I want to know what it is. Um, And what something you just said reminded me of what you said earlier that I didn't say, that I didn't comment on that I really want to make sure I comment on. I love the way that you um, describe like rom-coms as like accessible magic. Like, rea- like realistic magic versus like fantasy, that kind of thing. I love that. And I never quite understood I, for myself, had words to describe why I love romantic novels and movies, rom- rom-coms in general. And that's why it's magic. Thank like, you. I mean, <laughs> as a writer, I, I originally started in fantasy. That was always my genre. It wasn't until I was maybe like 18 or 19 that I started entertaining the idea of contemporary. And like that for me came from like when I started looking at rom-coms, I was like, well, why do I like these? Like, why, why am I so into these when I don't really do like, you know, contemporary, like literary type stuff or like anything that's really like realistic. And I was like, well, you know what it is, is that when it comes to rom-coms, they're full of tropes. They're full of things that are, you know, unrealistic to a certain extent and I think that's what makes it more fun for me is just the idea of like bringing that level of unrealism into something that is realistic um and so like I like I can't do things that are super like 100% realistic because I think for me that just feels too real world and like I'm trying to get out of the real world when I write and read that's why I do it um and so just to have that level of like with a rom-com I feel like the the unrealism in some of in some rom-coms are honestly weirder than like some fantasy stories just because of like the level that you're allowed to go um to make these things cute even if it's like at the cost of like realistic yeah Mm -mm -mm. i love it (laughs) um i am noticing time and i want we do have questions from the audience um but i i do want to um i just I, i feel like some of the like the themes and things that that Noah says throughout the book are like, he says them, I want to say in passing, but just as like a, like as part, it's just, it, it feels casual. And it's like, these are things that I took decades to like wrap my mind around. And he's like, 
16 and is like, well, I already figured that out. And I was like, I love that for him. And what about me? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a specific uh, example. I'm looking through my notes quickly. Um, oh, well, I hope you take the compliment as it is. I can't think of, I can't find specifics right now, but I just, I really appreciated kind of like, cause I also think that it, it shows um, the story shows I guess like like an evolution of like how how you can be queer in the world and like how like this story feels impossible to have read when I was young because like no one was putting that out there and so now this is a story that exists and like what's going to be in five years and ten years and I just love to see the like progress or like um I think it's hope I think that's actually what it is it's like it's giving me hope that we're on the right track in, in bringing people on board and having people understand um, transness in a way, uh, both trans people and cis people um, from all of the different directions, um, I think is super amazing. Um, I know I said I have one more question, but I have one more question. Um, I love Brian uh, and his like, so Brian is Noah's brother and um, like, he's such a, he's such a good brother and also such a good ally. And I, I, do you have a sibling or like a close friend that like, is like, like where Brian, who Brian is modeled after? Um, so Brian is like loosely inspired by my sister. Um, and the reason for being is because I remember when I was first like figuring things out, she was like the only person in my family that I felt like I could talk to. Mm. Um, and she wasn't like, like, I feel like, like she's not queer, but she has almost all of her friends are queer she's like the token straight in like all of her friend groups mm. um and so like I feel like it was just very like it is that's kind of what it felt like where you're like talking to someone who's like a super ally and they're like oh yes of course oh, all of that I got it haha but at the same time you really don't really like get it get it but they're trying I feel like that was kind of like <laughs> yeah yeah it reminded me of um a, I'll tell a very short story about my brother because it just it reminded me of it so deeply I was having, I think it was maybe either back surgery or a, a revision of my top surgery. And so I was in recovery um, in the hospital. And so um, I don't know if you've ever been like gone under before, but um, for me, at least when I'm coming out of that, I have like, there was a moment where I could hear and was aware, but I couldn't speak. Um, and some of the nurses were misgendering me and said, your sister to my brother. And my brother said, that's my sibling. And they blah, 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 blah. And I just like, I couldn't speak. And I, I just was like, like exploding out of this body that couldn't move because I was like, because he did it. The thing that the thing about it and why it reminded me of Brian is because I feel like true allyship is when they show up, even when you're not there or where they don't know that, you know, and there was just such a cool, I, I felt like parallel of brotherhood. I don't know, like of allyship. Um, so just continuously saying thank you for writing all the things that you did because it, it really resonated with me in so many different ways um thank you. you're welcome um okay so i'm gonna turn my um head to this document that has the questions um and we have a question uh what is your favorite piece of recent lgbtqia plus media that you have recently consumed like a book or tv film what have you um God, my favorite recent. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things. Um, I only, I pretty much only watch, read and everything else queer media for the most part. Um, 
but um, I recently read The Witch King um, by A.G. Edgman, and that book is, like, amazing, and, like, I feel like, I feel like everyone who, like, follows me is, like, you know, looking for trans stuff, so, like, trans boy main character, and he's a disaster, and I adore that, um, so that was amazing, um, and then I also recently, um, just, like, the other day, finished watching um, Heaven Official's Blessing, which is a um, Chinese animation, um, and that's gay. Um, it's kind of subtexty because in China there's like censorship laws, um, but it's pretty. At the same time, like if you're queer, it's extremely explicit. You, you're immediately going to tell them they're gay. Um, but that mm-hmm. one's also very cute. <laughs> nice. Um, excuse me. Uh, there is a question, um, and I'm happy to answer it if you don't want to. But the question is, can you explain what neo pronouns are? Oh yeah. Um, so neo pronouns are basically just pronouns that go beyond the like more traditional slightly older he she and they um so like em air my neo pronouns there's like zzer he her like um there's like there's so much there's so many um like i know some uses like fay fair um but yeah so they're basically just other pronoun sets that have evolved and i know a lot of people think oh they're recently made pronouns specific pronouns which is the ones i use are from the 1800s um, so they're pronouns that have existed. Some of them are really long time. Some of them are like more new, um, but they're just basically different pronouns that's beyond like those like, you know, popular conventional ones. Nice. Thank you. Um, that's the, that's the thing about pronouns is, you know, so I, I'm an educator for my day job and I go into different spaces and, and educate people in LGBTQ identity. And some of the pushback that I get around pronouns is that, um, you know, that this is, you know, they, them is new. Like, we're well, not going to use that for one person. I'm like, no, 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 no. First of all, we use it for one person all, all the time. <laughs> Someone left their phone on the table. Um, but also, yeah, it's been around forever. Um, and so um, not that we should ever have to like prove ourselves or prove the history of a word, but here we are. Um, okay. So um, are there any new projects you're working on that you can talk about? Um. Yes. Um, so I have a short story coming out um, in the anthology um, All Signs Point to Yes, which comes out next summer. Um, and that is a story about a brujo who works at a magic shop. Um, and then when the school jock comes in looking for like a cure for heartbreak because he just broke up with his girlfriend, sparks fly. Um, so that's super cute. Um, I also, uh, what else do I have? Um, so I mean, I have another something that I can't announce yet. Um, but that will be very, very, very soon. Um, I'll be able to talk about that one. Um, and then, um, lately I've been working on a, uh, uh, contemporary fantasy. Um, and that is a another gay romance I only write queer stuff I don't write straight stuff um so (laughs) uh so yeah I have those um and then I have another short story that I can't um you know give all of the like publication type details about um that I'm working on um and it is about a um a non-binary um witch who who lives in a society where magic you know if you're a guy you do this type of magic if you're a girl you do that type of magic um and they're basically like learning their own type of magic in that um in that world and that would be um you know that should that'll be published one day Uh (laughs) amazing 
I love that. Um, what do you do in your spare time when you're not writing? Um, well, I watch a lot of anime. Um, lately, I've been watching um, more live action stuff, but like C dramas, K dramas, J dramas. I've only been watching East Asian stuff for the most part. Um, and that's just because I feel like I'm so I'm I feel like I feel like Western media has this idea that like they can queer bait us and we'll be okay with it. Whereas I feel like Eastern media queerness is not like valued the same. It's no, it's not seen as like, oh, look at this marketable thing, a queer character. So when you find queer characters in like Eastern media, it's always like, they're usually like under advertised, but when they're there, they're good. Whereas opposed to like, I feel like with Western media, it's the opposite. They'll be like, come see all this gay stuff. And then the characters in like one scene and you're like, why did I even watch that? Um, so I was tired of Western media letting me down. So I only watch Asian stuff. Um, I also, I spent a lot of time um, at boba tea shops because I really love boba tea. Um, and I spend a lot of time with my dog because he's needy. Um, and <laughs> he, he's, he's so, he's so sad. He has like this thing where apparently he gets so much anxiety when we're not around that he actually throws up. Oh um, yeah. It's awful, but you know, <laughs> it's nice to be needed. At least, I'll say that. <laughs> That's a nice reframe. <laughs> um, okay. So you love dogs and you love to snuggle dogs. Now, is there a certain type of dog that you like to snuggle? And is that the same as other dogs that you love overall? Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a, that is a tough question. I mean, I feel like, so I always say that Australian Shepherds are my favorite dog breed. Um, and that's partially because I've always just thought they were really cool, but it's also because I have an Australian Shepherd and I feel like he would hate me if I said I like something else better. Um, but I mean, I also really love Corgi's. I just like things that are fluffy. So like, like, I mean, I want to snuggle something that's fluffy. Like I also love pit bulls, but they're less snuggleable. They're more just like, oh, you're cute. I love you. But like, they're not, they're not as soft. Like I, I need to fluff something. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, let me just make sure I'm getting all of the viewers questions answered. Um, okay. What is, um, uh, sorry, what do you want the biggest takeaway from, of, from readers of Meet Cute Diary? What do you want to be the biggest takeaway? Sorry, I couldn't read for a second. Let me let me start that over. <laughs> what do you want to be the biggest takeaway from readers of Nikki Diary? There we go. So I feel like um, the whole message is basically like you can have a happy story, even if you're queer and you're black and you're trans and you're triracial and you know whatever. Like you can have a happy story. Um, and I also think I also think part of what I want readers to take away, and I and this is kind of like developed recently, but I kind of want readers to take away that you don't have to have a takeaway in a mm. queer book. Um, and I think that there's this idea, you know, with marginalized characters where like every story has to be educational. It has to change the world. It has to be important and needed and like all this kind of stuff. Um, and I guess my thought process is like, even if you pick up another book that convinces you that you're totally allowed to be happy, like you don't have to learn that from my book. You can just enjoy my book. You know, you don't have to learn this big message of how pronouns work. You don't have to learn this big message of trans people, you know, can have meet cutes. Like, you don't have to learn any big message. Like, just because my characters are marginalized doesn't mean that this story has to be important or, like, a life changer for you. It can just be something that you read for a couple hours, you know, on a Sunday afternoon and entertains you and you move on with your life. And if that's what you got out of my book, I'm okay with that. And I'm I'm happy with that. Like, that's that is more than a valid enough reason for my book to exist and more than a good enough reason for you to pick it up. 
I love that. Um, if you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Um, stop trying to be white. Nice. Um, okay. So now I'm going to move us into the lightning round questions, which are just <laughs> silly, fun questions. They're meant to be for fun. Um, and they are all except one are open-ended because uh, in the previous two seasons, my, a lot of my guests were like, your questions are really binary. So I'm trying to open it up, <laughs> but there's one binary one that I have to ask. So um, just answer the first thing that comes to mind. If you could name your own crayon, what would you name it? Oh, oh, oh my God. I feel like it's like, oh God, I don't even know what color it would be. I'm like, what, <laughs> what color? Would it, I mean, I guess something purple because I really do purple. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like I would name it something super pretentious. Like, I don't know, like, you know, um, Sir Reginald, um, G like, jones the fifth or something and it would have no reason behind it it would just be absurd but i think it would be like a good <laughs> that sounds amazing can you please pass the <laughs> sir reginald <laughs> that's awesome um favorite time of day um god uh, early morning like just after sunrise probably. beautiful you kind of already talked about this but favorite current queer media representation um favorite current queer media representation i'm not gonna say the name of the show because it's a problematic as all hell and it's awful it's awful um and the show wasn't even good but there was <laughs> there was a character in an anime i watched recently um who was a trans guy and there was like next to nothing like like there was it wasn't like a super like in-depth portrayal or anything but he had boobs and like that just felt so good. I was like, yeah, man with boobs. I I am just I like, you know, so like overall it was a horrible, horrible story. And like the show was bad. But like I hope people watch that show. I hope other like animators watch that show and go, damn, we need more boys with boobs because I'm just I'm here for it. Boys with boobs. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, I love that. Okay. A song that makes your heart sore. Uh because we're, I'm talking about anime now. I mean, they thought of um, Yuri on Ice, the like literally the song Yuri on Ice from Yuri on Ice, which is like the song that he like skates to. It's like a piano composition, and it's just it just breaks me every time I hear it. So. Mm, beautiful. Um, favorite way to travel? Car. I love. I actually love driving, which is like weird, but I I love like especially if it's like a road trip. So you're talking like you know an extended period of time on like a freeway, like with not a lot of traffic. I love that. It's like so calming for me. Do you do this out the window? (laughs) 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 Uh, Broadway, like sing-alongs and stuff. Ooh, what's your, what's your go-to musical or some top three musicals? Um, Spring Awakening, Hamilton and Rent. Those are my top five. (laughs) Amazing. We got a road trip. Um, All right. Favorite quote. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, oh. Um, uh, oh. you know this isn't even like I don't know there, in so in the witch king there was a line that that just stuck with me because I thought it was so profound um and it was basically um the main character was looking at the love interest and he was like 
oh god oh god i'm so gay and i was just like damn damn i feel that <laughs> like that was the most relatable quote i've probably ever seen in my life so i'm like i'll, I'll say that <laughs> that is a very relatable quote <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, the only binary question of this, bagels or donuts? Donuts. Oh, <laughs> bagels is what I was hoping you'd say, but I respect donuts. Why Why bagels? Oh, I just love bagels. Oh, well, I mean, okay, to be <laughs> no, fair, no. So, to, so to be fair, I do love bagels. I, I eat a bagel for breakfast almost every day, but mm. donuts just have more variety. They're like aesthetically pleasing. There's like mm. so much potential in a donut. I feel like donuts also are like, like donuts give off like like gay vibes like they're all colorful you got like the sprinkles and like you know like whatever like like frosting and like icing they put on it like I feel like donuts are just more versatile like bagels are good but like you know bagels are bagels are like bagels like an office job whereas like a donut is like you know being like like an artist like whoa you've humanized (laughs) but like but like in such a precise exact way that I mean I'm not going to change my answer ever to donuts but (laughs) I'm like less mad about donuts now. <laughs> they are so gay. They are, yeah. <laughs> um, and I love that you said how versatile they are. I had a, I had a guest, I can't remember who, right, in this moment, um, also said that about bagels, because it's like, you could have a sweet bagel, you can have a savory bagel, you can have a combo. And I was like, that's true. Have you ever had a savory donut? A savory donut? Um, you know, I have, because have you had a donut burger? No. Yeah. Uh, see, I feel like you would change your mind about this. They still think you had a donut <laughs> burger. So that I'm assuming the donuts, the bun. Yes. <laughs> wow. So good. I got to Where do you, where does one get a donut burger? I haven't had one in years. Last time I had one was when I was living in Orlando. Mm. Um, Cause Orlando has the wildest food, like the wildest. Um, so if you're ever in Orlando, Florida, look for a donut burger. <laughs> Deal. Um, Emery, thank you so much for joining us here tonight and talking with us about identity and Nikki diary and anime. Um, this was really special. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thank you for coming out. And thank you to everyone here who's listening and be on the lookout for a link to rewatch, re-listen, um, and everyone have a good night. Thank you for coming out. Hey everyone. It's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps. And we want to hear from you. We want to know your coming out story. Head on over to Thank You For Coming Out's Instagram page, at Thank You For Coming Out, and click the link in our bio. There's a form there where you can submit your coming out story, either anonymously or with your name. And you could have the chance to hear your story read out on the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. We're so happy that you're part of our community, and we want you to know that your story matters. Thank you for coming out.